Is this the Owens residence? I'm Mr. Belvedere. Hey there, everybody. I'm your host, Angela Bowen, and welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, a Mr. Belvedere podcast. Today, I will be reviewing Season 1, Episode 2, The Outcasts, which aired on March 29th, 1985. I hope you guys are having a great day. It's Thursday. One more work day to go after today, and it will be the weekend. So, um, in this episode, we see young Wesley Owens, the youngest child of the Owens family, angry over not receiving an invite to his best friend, next-door neighbor, Howie Huffnagel's birthday party. So he decides, well, actually his parents decide to throw him his own party on the same day. But with most of his classmates at Howie's party, he's left with only the outcasts in his class to invite. Basically the only other kids that were not invited to his party. We begin the episode in the kitchen where Belvedere is taste testing his dinner creations that are cooking on the stove. Mr. Belvedere heads to the sink and we see Kevin walking past the window there and he waves at Mr. Belvedere and then he turns around and does the same thing. Sounds like he's kind of clomping around out there, so we're not sure what's going on. Heather walks through the door. She's loaded down with books, and I notice she's wearing Guess brand jeans, which I believe were popular back in the 80s. Mr. Belvedere greets her and asks her how her school day was, and Heather says that it's good. it went well. You know, her sex education teacher is pregnant, which I'm like, okay. Belvedere has an expression on his face that I wish I could decipher because it is so funny. Kind of like, oh, imagine that. A pregnant teacher teaching sex ed. He just says, and who says teachers aren't qualified anymore? I wonder uh, when they started teaching teenagers in school how to put condoms on bananas as a way of learning about safe sex. I mean, I didn't see it until demonstrated until the movie Never Been Kissed, which came out in 1999. I took sex ed in fifth grade. That was in 1993, and we just watched film strips about our changing bodies and hormones. We also watched a short video on Ryan White talking to a classroom of students about how he contracted the AIDS virus in the ways that you cannot get the AIDS virus. Heather tells Mr. Belvedere she needs some help, and he looks out the window at Kevin, who's still clomping around outside, and he, he tells Heather she's not the only one that needs help. Kevin walks into the kitchen from the back door, greeting everyone as he clomps around, breaking in his new ski boots. Kevin's walking towards the kitchen door to the living room while his head is turned, talking to Heather and Belvedere about how he can't wait to hit that powder. And he slams right into the door. I think he should be more concerned about learning to master walking and talking at the same time while wearing ski boots before he hits the slopes. Heather tells Belvedere about the community service club that she joined, and Belvedere recalls, Oh, yes, the Iron Maidens. 
She tells him that they're going to the retirement home to read to the old people. She shows him the books she checked out from the library in hopes that he can help her decide which books to take with her to read to the elderly since, you know, he's supposedly old. So Mr. Belvedere basically goes through the books. She's got an arrange of classic literature, A Tale of Two Cities, Treasure Island, The Carpet Baggers, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Will by G. Gordon Liddy, and Belvedere remarks how it's practically the same thing as the previous title he just read, and of course Born to Run, the Bruce Springsteen story, and Heather points out that Ronald Reagan likes him. Like, yeah, you know, hey, if the president says the book's good, it's gotta be good, huh? Wesley comes home from school, very pissed off, I might add, and slamming the door, then the cupboard door, then finally slamming his trapper keeper down on the kitchen island, demanding to know where his cocoa is as he throws himself into a seat at the table. What's this junk? As he, he asks as he pushes Heather's pile of books away. Whoa, little man. That's a fuck enough of the attitude, okay? I don't know what his problem is. Sure, he's pissed off, but you don't gotta start taking it out on whoever the hell's in the room with you. And you don't take it out on books either. She tells him the books are for reading to the old people, and he snottily remarks, You better read fast. Mr. Belvedere walks over to the table and asks Wesley what the problem is. Wesley says, Nothing. It's just you think you know somebody, right? You sit in the same class, play on the same team, you throw gum at the girl, same girls, and what do you get? Heather says, suspended? Well, I tell you what you don't get. You don't get invited to their birthday party. Wesley says, kicking a chair and runs out of the kitchen. Mr. Belvedere looks at Heather and says, I must cut down on his sugar, and she nods, smiling as we go into the intro. Now, the intro has actually changed. It's um, a lot of different uh, backgrounds of Belvedere with, uh, in, in Britain and in, in different places, and it shows clips from the season as well. I think season one, mostly, so. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a lot better than you know, what the pilot had, so. In the living room, Wesley is still sulking as Belvedere comes in with a hot cup of chocolate and Wesley tells him he doesn't want it. Wait, you were bitching about it when you walked in the door and now you don't want it? Ah, kids, they're so indecisive. Belvedere tells him he actually made it for himself as he takes a sip. George and Marcia come through the door and they're arguing. As Marcia ch tells George that he's wrong and he tells her no, she said 4.30 and to pick her up in front of the science building. And she corrects him saying it was the political science building. George complains, well, if you're going to split hairs. Marcia greets the kids and Mr. Belvedere asks how everyone's day was and Heather meant... Or she greets the kids and Mr. Belvedere, and she asks how everyone's day was. And Heather mentions how Wesley says he's quitting school. Wesley looks up at them, telling him he's not kidding. George asks, what's the matter? Wesley in a huff says he doesn't want to talk about it, then nods to Mr. Belvedere to tell them. Who starts to explain, but is interrupted by Kevin walking down the steps in a ski boat. 
Really, Kevin? You're gonna break your neck. Not to mention he's probably ruining those boots. They're not meant to be walked around in the house. In the house, and I don't think the steps the Owens have would qualify for stairs because there's only six steps. But I mean, when I was watching it, I'm like, oh wait, in the far right corner, I see some steps leading up to the stairs. So I'm like, all right, never mind. Everyone just turns to look at Kevin. Like, Kevin, you're not that bright, are you? Mr. Belvedere, he tells Marcia and George that one of Wesley's classmates is having a birthday party next Saturday and handing out invitations to the entire class. Or he did ex hand them out to the entire class with the exception of Wesley and four others. Wesley tells uh, them, the thing is, it's Howie who lives down the street. He thought they were almost best friends. After a minute, it dawns on George who Wesley's talking about as he goes on a rant. Wait a minute. Are you talking about those highfalutin huffnagles with that cabin cruiser in the driveway? He asks Marcia if she remembers the party the huffnagles threw a month ago with all the fancy cars and the valet parking. We didn't get invited to that, did we? Marcia makes a point of, uh, let's just basically point to Wesley saying, mm, let's focus on the son here, George, on the matter at hand. George pats Wesley on the shoulder, telling him it's no big deal. Marcia sits down next to him, pulling him to her and saying how, you know, they'll do something fun on Saturday, something real special. Like what? Wesley says, not, asks, not impressed. How about the Rod and Reel show? I got a couple freebies, suggests George. I'm guessing it has to deal with fishing like a boat show expo or something held at a convention center. Wesley's expression is like, try again, Dad. What else you got? It also, if you guys hear any outside noises, I have the, the door open just because it's getting pretty warm in here already. It's not even 9 o'clock in the morning yet, but it's 65 out. Heather suggests that he can come down to the retirement home with her and read books to the elderly. Wesley flat out says, I don't like old people. All they do want to do is hug and kiss and pinch. Yuck. Mr. Belvedere asks to make a suggestion and Marcia asks what it is. He tells them maybe Wesley could have a little party of his own. And Wesley whines, but who's gonna come? George looks at Belvedere and repeats the question, like, yeah, who's gonna, who's gonna come? Wesley mentions how every, everybody's already going to Howie's, and Belvedere points out that Wesley claimed there were other uninvitees. Uninvitees, excuse me. Oh, them. Wesley cringing at the thought. Even though Mr. Belvedere's heart is in the right place, so the other kids don't feel completely left out, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Having a party just because the other kid is and inviting the other uninvited kids just looks like you're trying to prove a point. Marcia ends up telling Belvedere she thinks it's a great idea and tells Wesley that those other kids have feelings as well. Marcia, why are you guilting him into, into having a party? I mean, what, is this a, like a take back the party party? George, a little too overenthused, is telling Wes how great it's going to be, playing some games, eating some cake, an overall great time had by all, basically. Now we zoom in on a picture of a donkey's ass. Why do I... 
I looked at this picture. I'm like, okay, why do I feel like putting some pants on that donkey's bare ass? I don't know. Let me guess. Pin the tail on the donkey, basically. Now we see Wesley, who is sitting as far away as possible from the other three kids on the couch. We have a boy with orthodontic headgear, a chubby, bespectacled uh, boy with glasses, and a girl dressed like she's auditioning for a role on the reality show Dance Moms. Or was a previous contestant on Toddlers and Tears. I don't know. Those kids literally look like they wish they could be anywhere else instead of where they are. Wesley turns to them and asks, So, you guys found the house, huh? Like, damn it. The boy in headgear turns to Wesley and says, Yes, your instructions were quite good, I must say. As he turns back to face forward again. You guys might recognize this little guy after Casey Ellison, especially if you watched the show Punky Brewster, which he was currently on at the time, playing one of Punky's best friends, Alan Anderson. Spoiler alert, he will have an, an occasional re reoccurring role on the show throughout seasons 3 and 5, playing Miles Knobnoster, Wesley's friend, but he has an appearance in season 2, as Ben, the hospital patient who Wesley gives his contest-winning trip to Disney World to. Great, Wesley offers weakly. The boy with glasses mentions to Wesley that the invitations mentioned refreshments. Yeah, so? Wesley tells him. So? It's a little vague, the boy adds. I'm allergic to six of the seven food groups, he informs him. Fuck, kid, why did you come? I can see why he wasn't invited to Howie's party. His mother probably didn't want to have to adjust her menu to accommodate this, the sickie over here. I guess it's Belvedere's problem now. I, I hope they have an EpiPen handy. Oh, Wesley mutters. Ex-Toddlers and Tierra's girl stands up and twirls her dress in front of the boys asking if they like her dress. Sit yourself down, girl. These boys haven't reached puberty yet and don't need to start today. The boys, excluding Wesley, nod enthusiastically. It's very nice. Why do I get the feeling that if they said something else, she would have publicly ridiculed them? At first, Mother said no. Then her accident happened, and then she changed her mind. The girl tells them with an eerie grin on her face. Holy shit! Get that girl out of the house before she kills them all! Like she probably attempted to do with her mother. I can understand now why the boys were afraid of her. Wesley's just hanging on the side of the couch, rolling his eyes, probably hoping the party will be over soon. In the kitchen, George is peering out the doorway and looks back at Belvedere and tells him, My kid was popular until you got here. Yeah, right, George. It's all Belvedere's fault. I'm sorry, but all the scheming in the world won't elevate Wesley's party invite status. Mr. Belvedere asks, Pardon me? Have you looked out there? I've never seen a bunch of losers, George sneers in the direction of the kids. Whoa, George, I know it's the 80s and all, but I don't think it would fly today on a sitcom for a parent to call a kid a loser, would it? Belvedere, still storing the punch, tells George he's sure they're perfectly lovely children. 
George sidles up to him and mentions how one kid looks like an erector set. Mr. Belvedere just looks like he's just picturing that in his head, and he tells George he's reminded of Prince Yoyani of Savoy, stunted and sickly, pale paled and hunchbacked. He rose above those who ridiculed his appearance by driving the invading Turks by driving them back into the Straits of Bosphorus, basically telling George that one shouldn't misjudge based on appearance. George, not missing a beat, asks, So when's he coming? Marcia comes through the door, looking at the drinks Mr. Belvedere has prepared, and she tells him, Oh, good. Things are starting to look a little quiet out there. Mr. Belvedere grabs the tray, saying, Help is on the way, as he carries them out the door. Entering the living room, Mr. Belvedere offers the kids punch and cookies, and the boy with the glasses tells him, No thanks, I ate before I came. Which is probably just as well. I, I, if I'm going to a family get-together, I might have a small little something before I go, just because, you know, you don't know when you're going to eat. He turns to the little girl and asks her, and she's so polite, telling him, everything looks so delicious. She warns him not to spill as he hands her the cup of punch, and he tells her he wouldn't dream of spoiling such a lovely party dress. She looks up at him and says, don't patronize me, Hazel. What a little bitch, kid or not. It. I, I take it that she's referring to Hazel on the TV show that aired in the 60s? They just eye each other like they're waiting for the other to make the first move. Mr. Belvedere fingers her dress, asking if it's flammable. He then turns to the orthodontic boy, offering him some punch, which he gladly accepts, downing it in one gulp. Then we see a line of punch dribbling down the front of his dress shirt. Wesley's got a cringe-worthy look on his face like, This is so pathetic. What am I doing here? George and Marcia come out of the kitchen, probably to save face, and George hands the two boys noisemakers, to which the orthodontic boy informs him, quite irritated, I can't blow this thing out of my mouth! Like, sir, seriously? <laughs> the girl just smiles at George with an expression of, you are such a dumbass. She actually says, I know what you're thinking! Yeah, he's probably thinking, try blowing it out of your ass, kid. Marcia lamely suggests name tags. Why? They're already an hour or so deep into the party by now. I'm sure they already know each other from class as well. They, they don't need name tags. So we learn that Wayne is the chubby boy with glasses, Miles is the boy with the orthodontic headgear, and Psycho Girl is Rhoda, who puts her paper plate in front of her when Marcia goes to place the name tag on her dress. George tells the kids to lighten up and tells them how he hasn't seen this many droopy faces th since the Cubs lost to the Braves 21-20. What a crazy game. Let me tell you, Wrigley Field, the wind's blowing out like 100 miles an hour. All you gotta do is sneeze on the ball and it's gonna go out of there. Wayne and Miles are looking at George like, what the hell is this guy even talking about? <laughs> George just looks at the kids like they're a lost cause, and then the doorbell rings, and Mr. Belvedere adds, Don't worry, sports fans, I'll get it. He opens the door, and this G-frode bespectacled man of color speaking broken English walks in and says, Uh, Wesley? 
party, party. He walks in and greeting everyone, and the kids all say, Hi, Mr. Rajneesh. Wow, that's the most energy I've seen those kids muster since they've been here. Hello, hello, hey, let's get down and get funky, he tells the kids, and Wesley busts a gut laughing at this. George asks Wesley who this guy is, and he tells him it's Mr. Rajneesh, who's in their reading class. Mr. Rajneesh tells George he's just a school janitor, and the teacher sometimes lets him sit in and non-violently, of course. I don't know what the hell he meant by that. Um, first of all, I see so many problems with that. I don't know where to begin. Where? What did he mean by non-violently? And for all we know, he could be a pedophile coming to sit in class with the students. Or I might not be giving him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he just wants to learn better English. And if so, there, I'm sure there are adult classes he can take for that. Marcia tells him they're very happy that he could come. George shakes his hand and the guy... Um... Won't let go at first, and then he asks George, Knock, knock. And he asks, George asks, Who's there? Rajneesh says, Gungadin. And George asks, Gungadin who? And then Rajneesh finishes with, Open the door, I Gungadin in. Or, Gotta get in, as he laughs. George offers a half hearted smirk, and Marcia finds the joke hilarious as the kids are still as statues, unimpressed. Wesley looks at his dad, inviting him, or looks at his dad, telling him Mr. Belvedere said to invite everybody. George looks over at Belvedere, who's got this big grin plastered on his face. In the next scene, we see George now has the kids playing, and Mr. Rajneesh playing hokey pokey. Oh boy. I'm going to play you this scene of George getting frustrated with the kids, and especially Mr. Rajneesh, who he calls Haji. <laughs> I burst out laughing at that. So I'm going to play that clip. I'll be right back. Ready? Here we go. You put your left foot in, you put your left foot out, you put your left foot in, then you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around, kids, around. Turn yourself around, around Haji, baby, around. Heather walks into the room, and Mr. Belvedere asks how it went at the retirement home. She tells him good as she swipes her finger over the cake that he's cutting. George goes over to Heather, and this is the first time we hear him use his pet name for her, Kitten. And he tells her to go help her brother pin some tail, and she just looks at him, rolling her eyes and telling him to get real. Walking away, George laughs at this. George walks over to Belvedere, who's putting slices of cake onto plates, and George picks up a slice, adding how the bunch of kids really aren't that bad. Even old Taj Mahal over there is kind of cute. Kind of a cute little guy. Belvedere agrees how also how these kids are fond of him, too. George admits to Belvedere how sometimes they don't see eye to eye, and he tends to jump the gun a little, but that Mr. Belvedere's had stupider ideas. What other stupid ideas, George? This is only the second episode for us. How long has he been with them? Uh, a week? A, a month, maybe? Belvedere looks at George and says, Aw, shucks. The phone rings and Marsh answers it. It then calls Wesley. She calls Wesley over telling him he has a phone call. 
Psycho Girl is pinning, or Rhoda, is pinning, playing pin the tail on the donkey without a blindfold because she stabs the donkey right in the eye. I said it before and I'll say it again. This girl is evil. I'm not talking Macaulay Culkin from The Good Son Evil. I mean Damien from The Omen Evil. Well, since she's a girl, she's Esther from the movie The Orphan Evil. <clears throat> Marcia just smiles nervously at her and then goes over to the other kids and asks if they're having a good time. Wayne tells her it's the best party ever. Wesley gets off the phone and he's clearly excited. Marcia asks who was on the phone and Wesley tells her it was Howie inviting him over to his party. And the expressions on the kids' faces, they look dejected. Even poor Rajneesh. Wesley realizes that means he'll have to leave his own party and he asks his parents what he should do. George asks him what he thinks. And Wesley just shrugs his shoulders saying, I don't know. Marcia tells him he has a choice. He can stay with his invited guests and the nice party that everyone made for him, or he can leave. Wesley turns to look at all the kids. Mr. Belvedere tells him, don't look at me. Wesley thinks about it for a beat, then waves to the other guests and says, well, see you around. As Miles and Wayne watch in shock as he walks out, Mr. Rajneesh seems fine. Marcia, George, and Mr. Belvedere, of course, are not happy about Wesley's departure after all the work they went into to put this party together. Why did Marcia give him a choice? I wouldn't. Basically, you know, you've made your bed and now you lie in it. Even though he didn't want the party to begin with, you still, you don't walk out on your guests. In the next scene, we see George bored to death by Rajneesh's story of how he came to America from India. Which was not an easy thing for him, but finally he decided to leave his country after his last bus, bus plunge. And George asks him to repeat himself, and he says, bus plunge. Brakes fail, tires blow, bus plunge off cliff. George just looks at him like, who is this guy? Then he gets up and offers to call Rajanish a cab, and he tells him, Rajanish tells him, that's a good one, Georgie. I can take a hint. I don't need a building to fall on me. And George adds, not a bad idea, though. Laughing as he claps him on the back and leads him out the door, telling him to watch the curb and shuts the door. Marcia and Belvedere come from the kitchen and ask, she asks if the door was from Wesley coming in. George says, no, that was Saj. He had to go. He was the last one. I bet the other kids beat the hell out of there when Wesley left. Like, fuck this. I'm out of here. George wander, uh, wonders aloud how they're going to straighten out this mess. And Belvedere says it's quite easy. Just a few paper cups. George gets in Belvedere's face. I'm not talking about that, you dink. I'm talking about my kid. Belvedere fires back. I was merely making a joke, porridge spoodle. I don't know if that is, but that must be an insult in Belvedere's, uh, over in England, I guess. George jabs a finger into Belvedere's face, shouting, Hey! And Marcia jumps in to stop them before it goes any further. Whoa, George, really? Just chill the fuck out, guy. This guy is definitely one that, that's how he begins and ends all his arguments with a finger in the face. Always trying to make a point, always flying off the handle. George throws the blame onto Belvedere about the party being his idea. I thought it was Marsha's. Maybe it was Belvedere's. I, I honestly can't remember. 
Mr. Belvedere says if it were up to George, they'd be at the Rotten Real show floundering. Marcia points out that Wesley's the problem, and he's disappointed all of them, but it doesn't help matters that they look about ready to beat their heads. They look about ready to beat each other's heads in Negan style over the whole matter. George tells Belvedere that Belvedere started it, and Belvedere tells her he did not. Marcia tells them to put a lid on it as she steps out between them. George continues his rant of how... You know, he's trying to raise a kid right and instill some values in him, and he throws it all out the window for a last-minute invite to Howie Huffnagel's party. Marcia asks what they're going to do, and Belvedere points out there's really nothing that you can do, which sets George off again. Marcia tells him they gave Wesley a choice, and he made it, so they'll just have to deal with it. Just then, Wesley walks in from the kitchen. <clears throat> George asks him how was Howie's party, Wesley says it was okay. Wesley asks, grinning, how was my party? I'd say wait that grin off your face, son. That's what I'd say. Marcia tells him everyone said to thank him for a nice time. Wesley asks if he's going to get a spanking. No TV or both? What is it with the kids asking if they're going to get a spanking on 80 sitcoms? First Punky Brewster, now Mr. Belvedere? Well, that was the time when parents could discipline their kids with a spanking and instead of now, where CPS would probably be called. That's why today's kids are turning out so disrespectful and lazy. George tells him no, and Wesley Grimms is asking, there's something new? No, nothing, George tells him. Wesley looks confused and says, I don't get it. Marcia tells him it was his decision to make. Wesley smiles and asks if there's any cake left. He turns toward the kitchen and Mr. Belvedere comes out. And Wesley tells him that he's going to have some cake. And Mr. Belvedere mentions, yes, it's nice when you can eat it too. Wesley just looks at him not understanding and walks into the kitchen. In the next scene, we see Marcia picking up some books. So it's, I guess, clearly been a week later as she uh, tells Wesley. We see uh, Marcia picking up some books off of a chair, and Wesley comes through the front door. Marcia asks how was school, and he says lousy because of the result of a spelling test, and Marcia asks to see it. He tells her, and tell, she tells him, you got 100%? And Wesley mentions how the teacher held it up to the class as a wonderful example. Do you know how that makes me look, he asks. Marcia thinks it's something more and tells him so maybe it's because of what happened last week with his party. He hands her another test and tells her she'll probably want to frame that one. And he sits on the couch as she looks at it and says, A plus? I know, I know. Wesley, excuse me guys. Wesley says, in the kitchen, Belvedere uh, is uh, looking out the window again. Kevin is still practicing walking in ski boots, which are probably destroyed by now. Telling Kevin, very good, much better. Kevin comes in, to my surprise, definitely, that he's on crutches. Kevin lets the family know that dinner's almost ready. Belvedere tells Kevin that even the most experienced skier can have an accident. And he tells Belvedere he wasn't skiing. What? Mr. Belvedere exclaims. You told me you hit a tree while skiing. And Kevin admits, well, it was a tree at one time. It was more like a pillar in the lobby of the lodge. 
In the living room, we see Wesley watching TV as George comes down and asking what he's watching. And Wesley tells him a show called Something Report. And George asks what happened to Yogi Bear. And Wesley says, I don't know. In a Yogi Bear voice. The whole family sits down to dinner. Kevin asks George how to work how work was, and he tells him he did a story on Franco Harris, who I had looked up was a Pittsburgh Steelers football player. The dinner is macaroni. Really macaroni. But I mean if Belvedere's making it, it's gonna be excellent. He sets a plate down in front of Wesley, who says he's not hungry, and surprises the family when he says he'll have some Brussels sprouts. And they just look at him like no kid likes Brussels sprouts. I don't like Brussels sprouts. Now we're in Wesley's room. This is the first bedroom scene we've seen of any of the characters except for Belvedere because we see his at the end of every episode. It's a really cool room. It's got a hand-shaped chair and he has bunk beds too which are covered in stuffed animals. Mr. Belvedere comes in offering a PB&J and a tall glass of milk due to the fact that Wesley didn't have much dinner. Wesley walks around picking up stray clothes that were tossed about, and Belvedere is shocked, asking him what he's doing, and he says he's cleaning his room. Belvedere places his hand on Wesley's forehead that he Wesley just shrugs off, telling him he's fine, and sit, he sits down to do some long division. Belvedere pulls up the hand chair and asks Wesley if he's heard of a chap named... Raskolnikov, and Wesley says, yeah, he's a midget, right? People can guess his name. Belvedere corrects him, saying he's thinking of Rumpelstiltskin. He tells Wesley how the character in the book, Crime and Punishment, did a very bad thing, even though he got away with it. His conscience got to him because he really wanted punishment, and asks Wesley if he understands. Wesley mentions, like, eating Brussels sprouts? Mr. Belvedere says yes, but in his, his case, the guy in the book, it was suburbia frozen sp sprouts. No, it was suburbia frozen sprouts. Okay. Wesley slams his arm down on the table in frustration, saying how he should have stayed at his party. And Belvedere says there's nothing you can do about it now. He tells Belvedere that the other kids told him it was alright, and no big deal, and Rhoda's treating him nicer than ever. Oh boy, that's not good. Oh, Wesley, I'll pray for you because he's probably plotting his death as we speak. Wesley says how he wishes someone would get mad at him and call him a creep or something. Mr. Belvier stands up calling him a creep, but Wesley isn't impressed and says, Oh, you're just saying that. He figured if he did a lot of crummy stuff to look to himself, he'd feel better, but he doesn't. In the next scene, we see Wesley at the retirement home reading Crime and Punishment to an old lady, and he stumbles over his words so much, she practically begs him not to continue, but he does it anyway. I'm going to play that part real quick, because I think it's funny. Um, and that's pretty much the end of the episode, so I will be right back with the teacup episode rating. It will be long before I get rid of them, he thought. What money was all that bought with, he asked at last, gazing at the wall. Money? Why, your own. What the messenger brought from the... The... Barushin. Barushin. Your mother sent him. Have you forgotten that, too? I remember now, said Ras... Raskolnikov. Raskolnikov, right. After a long, sullen silence, he looked at him, frowning and uneasy. Shh! The door 
opened and a tall, stout man, whose appearance seemed familiar to Raskolnikov, came in. The... the... Zosimov! Zosimov! At last, cried Raz... Raz... Razumihin! Zosimov! At last, cried Razumihin, delighted. That's the end of the chapter. Oh, that was lovely, darling. Oh, such a beautiful boy. You want me to read some more? Oh, no, no. That's good. I don't mind. Chapter four. Oh. Zosimov was a tall, fat man with a puffy, colorless, clean-shaven face and straight flaxen hair. He wore spectacles and a big gold ring on This ends my first month with the Owens brood, which finds Kevin on the mend physically, Wesley emotionally, and George, well, either he's getting better or I'm building up a resistance. <laughs> it's obviously been a rather arduous winter for the entire family, and I can only look forward with apprehension to the coming of spring, when the group will be free to roam about at will. <laughs> I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> now it's time for my teacup episode rating. I'm giving this episode three out of five teacups. One for Wesley finally admitting that he should have stayed at his own party after eating Brussels sprouts, cleaning his room, getting good grades on a test and everything. He just thinking that if he did this stuff, it would make him feel better for, you know, like, he'd be able to erase that guilt that he's feeling. Um, also, too, for Wesley taking it upon himself to read to an elderly lady. Uh, three, for the family thinking of the other kids that weren't invited, kind of having their own little party. Kind of like a take-back-the-party party. I had to knock off two teacups. One, because Wesley, in the beginning of the episode, is such in a huff that he's just being a jerk to everybody and just over not being invited to a kid's birthday party. It's like you don't have to take that out on your family. And also for Wesley deciding to just up and leave his own party. I mean, yeah, they gave him a choice, but it's like they're, I'm sure there's going to be other birthday parties. And it's not like he's not going to be friends with this kid after you know, the party, you know, and everything. It's like... And it worked out in his favor in the end. He did get an invite. So, I mean, come on. He didn't have to act that way. Alright. And now we are on to a se or my new segment called Belvedere's Biscuit Bites. Basically, this is my own message of what I got from the show. And here it is. When your family goes out of their way to throw you a party, you don't leave it to go to another friend's party. Oh, and speaking of birthday parties, when I was like five or six, I was invited to a birthday party. It's probably about early spring, maybe summer-ish, and we had these little noisemaker kazoo things. And we were all out on the deck and we were blowing them and there was like some bees nearby and I ended up getting stung in the chin. So talk about I mean, that was just, that was a terrible way to end a party. 
Uh, all right. So, also, if you'd like to stay connected to this podcast, there are many ways to do so. I have a Facebook page, Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, a Mr. Belvedere podcast, for any of you who want to take part in the episode questions and listener questions that I do every week. Instagram, we have Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere podcast, and Twitter, Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere. Also, Gmail, Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere podcast at gmail.com for those of you that want to just you know shoot me an email tell me about your memories of the show Mr. Belvedere what lessons you might have learned all right well I'm going to play the Mr. Belvedere's journal entry clip from the end of the episode and that'll be it so that uh basically what's going to happen from now on I don't know if I'm going to be doing the podcast on Wednesdays or whether it might be weekly. I'm just going to try to retool the episode a little, the episodes from now on a little bit. They won't be as hugely in detail just because that is taking a lot of time. And I just want to kind of try to hit the key points if I can and some of the best dialogue as well as maybe play a couple clips that I thought were funny. So... Stay tuned. You'll be getting in another episode sometime next week. All right. Over and out, everybody.